good introduction to a particular person uh, I want to have a, a look at today. So read firstly this parable, so Matthew chapter 21, um, we'll just read verse 23 just to uh, set the scene for where Jesus is speaking as he, as he speaks this parable. So Matthew 21 verse 23 says, And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority do you... Do you do us thou, or do they do thou these things? And uh, who gave you this authority? I'm not particularly going to look at Jesus' answer to that, but I just wanted to read that verse. So he's in the temple, and it's the elders of the people, it's the religious uh, leaders at the time that he was speaking to. Um, and in verse 28, we'll pick it up. What? Th- but what think ye, or what do you think? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son. Go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said unto him, The first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards, that you might believe him. So he gives this, uh, this parable of these two sons. One in verse, uh, 28, that he says, you know, go, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not, but afterwards he repented and went. That word repent is a, is a different word to, similar, but a different word to what we read in, for example, Acts chapter 2, uh, repent and be baptized. The word that we're reading here, uh, metamelamai in the, in the Greek means to care afterwards or to regret. So to read that uh, in the New King James Version, it says he answered and said, I will not, but afterwards he regretted it and he went. So to think about things afterwards. Now, if we think about the word regret, we we typically think of regret as quite a, a negative thing and re- re- regret can really consume people. I'm sure we've all had times in our own life where we've been felt consumed by regret, we've condemned ourselves perhaps something that we've done or something that we've said. Maybe we've had times where we've been up late at night stewing on what we've done or what we've said and we can perhaps think of this uh, as, as a, a negative thing. But in this example we can see that regret can actually be a catalyst for change. In this example he's been given this instruction and initially he says, no, I'm not going to do it, but afterwards he has a think about it and says, no, you know what? It is the right thing to do. I'm going to follow my, what my father's asked me to do. I'm going to go and do it. The other son said he would do it. So he sort of put on a show of, of doing the right thing, but he didn't actually follow through with it. So the, the question Jesus is asking is, you know, who's the one that did the will of his father? Who's better off in the end? And the, the response was correct. They recognized who, you know, that the, the first son was the one that had done the right thing in the end, that even though he said he wouldn't, he, he actually did, he took the action that was required in the end. So that regret, that, that, um, thinking afterwards was actually a catalyst for change for him. 
makes me think about, you know, sometimes we talk about people having a, a midlife crisis and uh, uh, I don't know if that's more of a, a male thing. Uh, you know, I typically when I think of people having a midlife midlife crisis, I typically think of men. Um, maybe maybe ladies do it at, as, as well. But uh, sort of get to this stage in life where pe- people are maybe thinking about their careers or um, the things that they've done in their life or the holidays that they've been on and maybe thinking, oh, you know, have I had enough excitement in, in my life? Have I progressed enough in my career? Uh, have I spent enough time with my family? Might be another one. Um, people can dwell on these things and, and sometimes people... Maybe people can make a change. Maybe some some people just go and buy a sports car or something like that is is typically what we think of when we talk about a midlife crisis and, and maybe that doesn't really achieve anything. Um, but others perhaps would have a come to a, a realisation and maybe it's more important with things like family, for example, and they think, you know what, I haven't actually spent... I've spent so much time focusing on uh, work or whatever it is or a business or something that I haven't spent enough time with my family. I need to make a change. And... Um, in the Lord, maybe we can have from time to time a bit of a spiritual midlife crisis, so to speak, maybe midway, midway through our walk in the Lord, um, where we start to reflect on where we are in the Lord and think, you know what, I'd like to bring about a bit of a change. You know, and We can ask ourselves questions about our own relationship with the Lord, about our, our prayer life, about how well we know our Bibles, um, about... Uh, uh, the testimony that we show to other people when we're at work or, or study or wherever we may be, we just think about the excitement that we might have or not have in the, in the things of the Lord and have a desire to maybe stir up uh, the, the things of the Lord in our life. We can maybe look at the things that we want to do in order to grow in the Lord, the actions that we can actually take to to bring about that change. Maybe we can think about some of the things that are affecting our walk in the Lord and maybe we want to try and cut out of our life and they're, they're sort of the changes we can look to make as, as well. So I want to talk in particular today, we're going to t- turn to Acts chapter 12, I want to talk about a, a man by the name of John Mark. So Acts chapter 12, we're going to pick up the story. This is This is the sort of character that you could very easily you know, if you're reading through the scriptures, not really pick up on his story too much because we just get these little snippets in different parts of the New Testament and we've kind of got to piece together those snippets in order to uh, to build the picture for ourselves of his life and his walk in the Lord. And again, we have to maybe make a little bit of assumption and sort of fill in some of the gaps, um, but nevertheless it really illustrates this point that we're talking about, about making a change in our walk in the Lord. So Acts chapter 12, and um, let's read uh, verse 11 and 12. So this is at a time when uh, Peter had just been miraculously released from prison. And in verse 11, when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So his name is John Mark or Marcos where many were gathered together praying. So as he's been, you know, this miraculous uh, deliverance from prison and this is where he goes. He goes to the house of John Mark's mother and there's people gathered together 
praying. So here's the first mention that we have of this man, John Mark. So we can see that he's he's a part of a family serving the Lord. People gathered together in the house praying about Peter's situation in, the, in this case. So he's, he's essentially growing up in the ways of the Lord. He's, he's knowing the ways of the Lord. Um, he's very much seen and heard about miracles. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 13, so over to the next uh, chapter, and we'll read from verse 2. And as they ministered, so Acts 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister, that is John Mark. Down in verse 13, it says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So again, we just get him mentioned. So here they're sent by the Spirit to uh, to preach the word, and it says that they, in verse 5, they had John John Mark uh, to their minister. He was um, helping them along the way. He was he was serving in any way he was able to. Uh, there's a bit of a, a story here through the middle, but we don't get any detail on why John Mark decided to depart, to leave them and to go home. But for whatever reason, that's uh, that's what what he did. So we don't get any uh, yeah detail on that departure. But perhaps we can just sort of surmise. You know, was there something more important at home? Had he found this going out and preaching the gospel maybe more intimidating than he expected, and thought, you know what, this isn't for me. I can't handle this. And he's decided to go home. Maybe it just wasn't a priority in his life. We don't know the reason, but we can see the actions that he took. Now, just to build a little bit more of the picture, um, John Mark is actually related to uh, Barnabas. The, the King James Version actually um, makes it sound like he is Barnabas's nephew, but if you look into the word, and, and I found this from the, the Vines uh, Dictionary, it's actually his cousin. So John Mark is Barnabas's cousin. So there's a, a family relationship there as well. Uh, you could say that Barnabas, through this, has a bit of a soft spot for, for John Mark, perhaps, and we're going to uh, read a bit more about that in Acts chapter 15. We'll skip over a couple of pages. Acts chapter 15, uh, a little bit later on in the chapter than where we might normally read. Um, we're going to read from verse 35. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, preaching, sorry, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. There's a wonderful principle of uh, support for the saints in that little verse, isn't there? That it's, you know, it's not just a matter of um, racing around and getting as many people baptized and spirit filled as we're able to and then leaving them to their own devices. But you can see this desire that Paul had to support the saints, to see how they do, to make sure that they were continuing walking on in the Lord, growing in the ways of the Lord, using that spirit that they'd received in their life. 
And here we, we read more about John, John Mark. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark, or John Mark, and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through uh, Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. So here we have, you know, these two brothers in the Lord who had very much, um, no doubt, spent a lot of uh, time with each other, preaching the word, learn, uh, you know, teaching together. And here we see a, a difference of opinion on John Mark. Um, and Barnabas, again, being, being a cousin, and maybe that played into it a little bit, um, there's a, a bit of a different approach from Barnabas, and he has a desire to see, to take John Mark with them. Maybe Barnabas knew a little bit more about where John Mark was now at in his walk in the Lord, spiritually speaking. Maybe he could see, hang on a second, yeah, I know what's happened back then, but John Mark's actually had a, a change in his, his, his walk in the Lord, he's really stirred himself up in the Lord, he wants to be involved, his, his desire is, is there, um, let's take him with us. But Paul, for whatever reason, again, maybe he didn't know John Mark as closely as Barnabas did or, or whatever it may have been, but he just couldn't see it. He, he was maybe looking at it a little bit more practically and he thought, you know what, we've tried that in the past and John Mark, he, he let us down. He went, he walked away, he, he left, he went back home, so, um, I don't think he's in a position to be coming with us again. So there's this difference of opinion on John Mark, and it's maybe a bit tense, this conversation. It says the contention was so sharp between them. You can sort of picture yourself in that situation. Maybe we've, we've been in situations like that in, maybe not necessarily in the Lord, but even in our, in our workplace perhaps, where we've got, different opinions on a particular person and what they're capable of and what they should be doing in a particular situation. So this uh, bit of a division occurs. Paul uh, takes um, Silas and Barnabas takes John Mark and they go off in different directions. I guess there's a little bit of a blessing in that, in that instead of just two people going out, there's now four people that are going out and um, and supporting the churches in the way that Paul had mentioned. So that is as much as we read of John Mark in the uh, book of Acts, as far as building a bit of an understanding for the for the things that happened in his life. We know that this the book of Acts is very much the start of the Christian church, uh, the history there of, of the beginnings of the church. But we get to pick up some more information about this. This young, well, I'd say young man, but he's Barnabas's cousin. I'm not particularly sure how old he is, but uh, this this man anyway. Uh, a little bit later on, let's go to Colossians in chapter four. We're going to do a little bit more name dropping as we go through here. There's a couple of other people that, again, if you're reading through the scriptures, you just you just you could read these names and not particularly build much of a picture of them. But as you as you look at different. Um, uh, parts of the scriptures where these same people are spoken about, you can start to build a little bit of an understanding of their uh, their lives and their walk in the Lord. So Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start reading from verse uh, 7. So towards the end of uh, Paul's letter to the 
Colossian Church, <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 7. All my state shall Chichikus uh, declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same pers- uh, purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make unto you all things which are done here. I'm gonna, we're going to remember that name, Onesimus. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you, and Marcus, now this is where the King James Version says sister's son to Barnabas, but it should really say cousin to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. So here we can see quite a change that has occurred. We'll read the next verse as well. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Now, when Paul's writing a letter, he quite often does this, that he he mentions these other people. And we would do the same. You can imagine it's a bit different to today where we've just got this amazing ability to communicate with each other. But if you were writing a letter to 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 uh, to whoever um, in these days, you would you would let the people you're writing to know about others that they love and care about. You know, we would typically let people know how our family are going or our friends and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's essentially what he's he's doing here. And he mentions these names, and he he mentions John Mark. He just meant, he speaks of him as, as Marcus at this stage, but it's John Mark, so it's, it's Barnabas's cousin. So here we can see that once upon a time, however many years previously, Paul had been frustrated, he'd been disappointed by John Mark, and yet here he's speaking of him as a fellow worker unto the kingdom of God. So clearly there's been a big change in John Mark. Um, he also says, uh, so, and Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. So there's been another letter previous to this in which he's given instruction to the, to the Colossian church. You know, if, if John Mark turns up, look, look after him. He's a, he's a brother in the Lord. He's working the Lord. You know, do, do your best to support him. So there's been an amazing change as much as we don't know all the details but we can certainly see the outcome of what's occurred here. So, um, yes, and Onesimus, again, has been mentioned, so we'll we'll keep his name in mind as well. Uh, We do want to read verse 14 as well, just quickly. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. I'm just going to drop that name in there as well because we're going to come back to Demas. So, again, Demas being a brother walking on in the Lord, uh, but we'll see what happens a little bit later on. So we can see we can see forgiveness through even just at this point here. We can see that there's an incredible forgiveness that um, that Paul has shown here. You know, he's not held a grudge. You know, and there's you know there's a lot of scriptures we could look at. We're not particularly going to for the sake of time, but about holding a grudge that we don't want to do that in our life. People will disappoint us. We will probably disappoint other people as well, but it's really important, especially with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we demonstrate this forgiveness and a desire to move on. Yes, sometimes things go wrong and sometimes things need to be worked through or whatever needs to happen, but we don't want to hold on to those things. 
We want to walk on as brothers and sisters, moving on together in the Lord, understanding that we all have the same goal. We're all heading to the same place. We're all filled with the same Holy Spirit. We have the testimony of the Lord in our life and we want to be supporting one another. And holding grudges does not help with that at all. Second Timothy chapter 4. It's interesting when you read about the um, contention that there was between Paul and Barnabas that uh, Luke, who was writing the book of Acts, he didn't take sides. He didn't sort of say who he thought was right or wrong. He just said, look, this is what happened. And, it, you know, that, I guess that's very much the book of Acts in that it's a book of history. It's not a book of uh, opinion or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's so wonderful that we can see the outcome of that uh, contention that they had back there. Yeah, Second Timothy chapter 4 and reading from verse 9. So Paul writing to Timothy, this is towards the end of um, his, his, his second letter here. Uh, chapter 4, verse 9, Do your diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. So this, this man that we had previously read about as, you know, being a, a supportive brother walking on in the Lord, and he, he gets mentioned in other letters, and now, unfortunately, sadly, we see he's actually walked away from the things of the Lord um, and he's gone elsewhere, L- having loved this present world. And we don't know the details, but he's just got caught up with the things of the world and this has taken him away. Now, I do want to make a, a, a point, though, bet- a, a point of difference between Demas and John Mark. Because John Mark might have disappointed Paul Maybe it wasn't the right decision to leave them and to, to, to go back home, but it doesn't actually say that he left the Lord. He, he just maybe had, you know, whatever, he had a struggle in his walk in the Lord, he had a, he had a, a bit of a down moment in his walk in the Lord, whatever it was, however big it was, we don't really know, but we don't read of him actually leaving the Lord. Demas, however, we can see he's actually just got caught up in the things of this world and he's walked away entirely. So quite a, a, a point of difference I wanted to make between the two. Uh, reading on, departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, that's John Mark, Marcus, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Again, here he is writing about John Mark, and we can see the, the wonderful change that's happened in, in John Mark's walk in the Lord. He's involved in the things of the Lord. He's profitable unto the ministry. His desire is to serve the Lord. Whatever happened back in the book of Acts, he's very much moved on, and he's, he's just doing whatever he's able to for the Lord, and, and in particular here we read about for, uh, for Paul as well. Um, probably as far as we need to read in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll flip over to Philemon now. Just forward probably a couple of pages in your Bible. It's a very little book, so it's probably easy to miss. I should mention that um, the book of Mark is typically attributed to have been written by John Mark. So making the assumption that that is that is true and that is correct we you know you can see that <laughs> almost what like what a spiritual comeback that is to to be be in a posi- to go from a position where um 
Paul was pretty disappointed in him, I'll just put it like that, to then having Paul write about you in the way that he does in these scriptures and then to be one of the ones to record one of the four Gospels that we read about today. That's a, a wonderful story. So Philemon chapter, uh, sorry, chapter, well, you should only have one chapter. If you've got more than one, there's, there's a problem with your Bible. Verse 23, <clears throat> um, oh, I did want to read a little bit more of um, Philemon actually because it speaks about Onesimus. Uh, we might just drop back to verse 10. I beseech you there, uh, thee for my son Onesimus, uh, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him that uh, is mine own bow. So he's just talking about this amazing connection that he now has with Onesimus. So again, Onesimus had somehow, some way, um, disappointed Philemon, who, who uh, Paul is writing to here. But again, there's been a change here, there's been a turnaround. Perhaps this is actually the time when Onesimus came to the Lord, so the, the timing of how we're going through these things might be a, a little bit um, sort of out of whack. But whatever has occurred here, we can see the value that, I, that Paul places upon Onesimus. He was once unprofitable to Philemon but now he is very much uh, profitable. So we read down in verse uh, 23 and 24, uh, There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, mentioned again, Lucas, my fellow labourers, co-workers for the things of the Lord. We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Actually, no, we'll just, I'll just quote that one, sorry, so just for the sake of time. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether the, you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. So I guess the encouragement through these scriptures and through this example that we have of John Mark is to take hold of this um, this desire to, to from time to time examine ourselves, examine our walk in the Lord and look for change where needed. You know, again, we, we, we talk about these words repent or, or re- regret as, as the, that uh, parable in, in Matthew uh, brought out. Not in, a, not in a position of condemnation or, or, or um, or uh, uh, sort of uh, frustration towards ourselves, but just in a recognition of, you know what, yes, this has happened in the past, maybe this has been my behaviour in the past, this is what I've said in the past, but you know what, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the day the Lord returns for me and I'm going to take steps to make sure I take hold of that. So we can see this uh, amazing change that can be brought about as we do that. So examine ourselves prove our own selves, know ourselves, um, understand our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Just a couple more scriptures before we wrap up. Romans chapter 8, starting verse 9. I might just quickly actually read verse 8. So then that they, just to build the picture a bit, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. 
a very powerful verse, a very strong verse in, in how it's worded, and it just makes us understand the necessity of receiving the Holy Spirit as it is the, the starting point for our, um, our relationship uh, with God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not, sorry, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So just a bit of a twofold message here in the, the necessity of firstly receiving the Holy Spirit. We've heard about it in testimony today, that outward evidence that we, we receive as we speak out in a brand new tongue, a brand new language that the Lord gives us. But it's not just a, a one-off uh, sort of event that we look back on in our life, but it's very much a, an ongoing part of our life. And that's what it's speaking of in verse 14 as we are led by the Spirit of God. We are walking on in the ways of the Lord, not caught up in the things of this world or, or, or of our, our flesh or our, our natural nature, not drawn back into those things, but very much looking forward. And I think John Mark is just a wonderful example of someone who took hold of that. Again, a lot of details we don't have, but we have enough details to, to, to build an understanding of the end result in his life. We don't actually need to know the details. A bit like our brothers and sisters. Sometimes they have, sometimes we have, um, difficulties. Sometimes we might have a, a bit of a down point in our life. Typically speaking, our brothers and sisters may not need to know the details. But we certainly have a desire to see each other walking on strongly in the ways of the Lord. We're looking forward. We're not looking backwards. Um, let's go to, uh, Mark chapter 16. We'll finish there. So just think about, as we've read about that Holy Spirit there in Romans chapter 8, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that it was the same Spirit that John Mark had. The Spirit that you and I have received is the same Spirit that John Mark had and that brought about that change in his life. It activated that that spiritual uh, change, that growth in him. And the same can happen for us, regardless of whether we've been in the Lord for five minutes or 50 years or whatever it may be. Um, it's that same power that's available to us. We're going to read here in, in the book of Mark. So again, it is tip, uh, typically uh, believed that it was written by the same person, John Mark. And uh, we'll read from verse 15. Jesus speaking, and he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We've already heard about today signs, wonders and miracles in people's lives. We we know it happened back here in the in the scriptures. We know it happens in our lives as we walk on in the ways of the Lord, and that's a a key part of why we have our testimonies like we have today to 
to share those things of what God has done in our lives, the signs, wonders and miracles. That's what we expect. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So this is what we expect in our lives as well. As we walk on in his ways, as we're led by that Holy Spirit that we've, we've been given, born again of water and the Spirit, we've been baptized, we've received that Spirit and it's given us a, a new life, a new opportunity. And even though we might have struggles, we might have some times where we, um, need to be lifted up and maybe it's our brothers and sisters that can, can support us in that and lifting out, lifting us out, out of uh, difficulty in our life or the struggles that we're having. We continue to look forward. We remember the parable of, of the two sons, that it's not, it's not about saying the right thing and putting on the show, but it's about the action that happens afterwards. And, uh, and, uh, we know of the wonderful blessings that we receive in the Lord as we're looking to the Lord for His guidance, to do things His way, for His direction, and to, uh, be led by that power that He's given us. And all the people said. 